0: We'll read from Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. Hear the word. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right. (laughs) Well, happy Mother's Day. I know that days like today uh, bring great joy uh, and rest and, and fun for many of us, or many of you, uh, but also great sorrow for some. Uh, I know I have many friends who uh, struggle uh, to be at church on Mother's Day because uh, they've really wanted to be mothers and that has not come to pass in the way that they have planned it just yet. Uh, there are also some of you here this morning who are missing your own mothers, uh, maybe for the first time this year. Um, As they are no longer with us and yet still there are those who have uh, a hard time with today uh, Because your mother was not the sort of mother worth celebrating and your childhood was difficult because of that And I want you to know that uh, I want to be sensitive to those realities this morning I understand those pains, but I am glad that despite those pains you're here with us here in the gathering with us to be together to pray together, to sing together, to read the scriptures together, and to hear the preaching of God's word together, and I hope that your heart will be mended, even if just a little bit, through all of these things. As we continue in our study on wisdom, I thought it would be appropriate today, on Mother's Day, to jump to the end of Proverbs, to a passage many of you know and have heard of, Proverbs 31, as we just read, a proverb about the ideal woman. I thought this would be ideal uh, as we come today to celebrate mothers, but not just mothers, but in this passage we see all women. And I want us to celebrate and rejoice and be glad for the women that God has put in our lives. Whether our mothers, whether our wives, our daughters, or even those who have been spiritual mothers to us along the way. I know that my wife will talk of the tremendous value not only of her own mother, but also of those spiritual mothers that have nurtured her and guided her in different seasons throughout her life. I can tell you this. If it were not for the women in this church, in Fellowship Baptist Church, fellowship would not be standing today. And it's not just this church, but rather most churches are prospering because of the wise and hardworking women that support them. So I want us to rejoice this morning that God has sent such godly, wise, hardworking women who have labored and cared for and nurtured and prayed for and loved our church over the years. So thank you, women, for all that you have done. Proverbs 31 has been the subject of many a book, an article, many women's conferences, many devotionals. Uh, But it is often, I think, misunderstood or overly obsessed about. My goal today is to read it and, and understand it in a way to honor these women by highlighting and praising the godly traits we see here in Proverbs and how we see those traits reflected in the women in our own lives. Now, I'll tell you. I don't love the idea of me, a man, getting up here telling all of you women how to be a woman. I've obviously never experienced being a woman. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, pretend to know what, how to be a woman better than you. So I'll be honest, it is not my favorite thing to get up here and do this. So, I, I plead with you as I endeavor to, uh, uh, to teach on this. My endeavor is, my, my goal, my aim is to simply teach the scriptures in a way that it brings honor to women. Uh, and as I fumble through this, please show me grace as I try not to mansplain. But scripture splain. <laughs> so, before I jump in, I want to understand a few things about Proverbs 31. Uh, first, Proverbs 31 is the picture of the ideal woman, all right, of the perfect woman. Uh, Verse 10 starts this section by saying, an excellent wife, who can find? And then we learn that this woman is is the first to get out of bed. She's the last to go to sleep. Like, she basically doesn't sleep. She makes her kids she makes them close herself she's an entrepreneur she's buying land she's running a business running a vineyard Uh, she's providing for her family she's generous and gives to the poor she works with her hands she imports food from around the world and cooks she's not idle she doesn't stop she isn't lazy she honors her husband and he's honored because of her and he's uh, uh, he's better in the land because of her she's strong dignified wise her children praise her she isn't concerned about outward beauty, she's not worried about tomorrow because she's trusting in God today, I present to you Wonder Woman. This is, according to the scriptures, uh, what we believe to be the authoritative word of God, uh, a woman without fault, without error, but perfect. And when some of you read this, you think, man, there is no way I could ever live up to the ideals of this woman. And you are immediately feel- filled with Guilt and shame and regret and feelings of inadequacy. It is easy to read this passage and be discouraged. But this woman, first of all, isn't real. She doesn't exist. Second of all, she's a model. She's a picture. She is a model in the same way that Jesus is a model for all of us of what to live like, what to aspire to. Jesus is perfect, and we are all to, to live like him, to imitate him. We wear bracelets sometimes that says, what would Jesus do? Because we try to model our life after him. We, we ask ourselves, how would I be better or more to be like Jesus? And yeah, when we look at Jesus, we are not discouraged by the fact that we'll never be as good as he is. We are not discouraged by the fact that we'll never live up to him and his standard. We know we never could be him, but yet still we strive to be as much like Jesus as possible. In the same way, ladies, you should look to Proverbs 31 not as something that is uh, obtainable and to be discouraged about, but rather as a model to strive to get as close to as possible. It is a model so that you know where to grow, what to be like. Proverbs 31 woman really is the Christ-like woman. It is the Christ-like woman. And so we need a model like this, we need a perfect picture of true humanity in Christ, true womanhood in Christ, a picture of the ideal woman, because we live in a world and in a culture that has distorted what true, good, and beautiful womanhood is. Not only are we living in a culture that now allows men also to be women, but we live in a a culture that has defined womanhood by merely external beauty. We live in a culture that has over-sexualized and objectified women. We see it in music. We see it in TV, on billboards, and even in the clothes that companies make for our seven-year-olds. The world distorts, objectifies, perverts what good, true, and beautiful womanhood is. And so we need a biblical model to counteract what the world tells us, what true womanhood is like. But still, some of you might say, Brent, you don't know my past, You don't know the mistakes I've made. I could never be like this woman. I cannot come close because you don't know what I've done and the mistakes I've made and how i failed. You might say, Brent, I've ruined my marriage. I've ruined my relationship with my kids. Maybe I had an abortion. Whatever. I can't be anything like this woman. And I would say to you, if you are in Christ, if you have trusted in Christ, all those mistakes were wiped clean by his blood on a cross 2,000 years ago. All of those mistakes have been paid for, covered, removed, washed away. And if Jesus doesn't remember those mistakes and those sins and those failures, then who do you think you are to remember them to? Amen? Y'all can talk to me. Oh, there we go. Come on. So do not let the guilt of your past keep you from becoming the woman that God wants you to be today. God's grace is transforming It is transforming, and it is transforming you even now into the perfect version of you that God is making you into. So get on the train and enjoy the ride of what God is doing in your life. So now, before all the men check out and think that this is a sermon for women, it's not. I will refer to you to Ephesians 5 really quickly. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish, and in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Husbands, it is part of your job to love and serve your wife with a self-sacrificing, unselfish, death to self sort of love and service, that by your love and service to your wife, they would be spurred on to become more like Christ. So you should hear this sermon and walk away not thinking, yeah, honey, did you hear uh, what, the, what the preacher said this morning? You need to be better at this and this and this. Please, for the love of all that is good and holy, do not do that. For the sake of your marriage, do not walk away telling, making sure your wife heard all the points this morning. Instead, you should walk away praising her for how she already exemplifies and exhibits many of these qualities. And then you should pray and serve her in a way uh, that would enable her to continue to grow in these things as you praise her and encourage her and serve her and love her along the way. But surprisingly, the primary audience of this text, the immediate context, the primary audience of this text, isn't women. It's actually single men. It's who this was written to. In verse 1, we didn't read this, but in verse 1 it says, The words of King Lamel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? This is a son writing what he learned from his mama. Writing to young men that they should look for these things in a potential spouse. Which, another great reminder, the world is telling our young men one thing that is all important about what to look for in a spouse. And the Bible would commend us a completely different thing. The Bible, wisdom from above, gives us a completely different view of what sort of woman we should be after. So unmarried men, listen up too. This is for you. I do love this first verse just because every parent knows what it's like to look at their kid and say, what are you doing? What are you doing, son? What are you doing, daughter? What in the world were you thinking? We have all said that and know what that looks like if we have kids. This son took the wisdom his mom gave him and he's passing this, one, this wisdom on to us. also just a great reminder of the influence moms have over the life of their kids as this guy is, is regurgitating what he learned from his mama. Now, the structure of this proverb is important. The structure of this proverb is different from all the rest of the proverbs because it's an acrostic. It's an acrostic. Each verse begins with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet, right? So for us, if it was in English, it would be, you know, the first verse started with A, and the next verse would start with B, and the next one would start with C. Uh, this It was done this way, really to serve as a memory tool in order to memorize and understand the truths, to get these truths in your heart to remember them so that you could easily do it with this acrostic. So, this does not function like a New Testament letter where Paul is building an argument, right, and, and it's building on each other and, and in this like logical order. No, this is a it's just kind of in poetic, poetic order. It's all over the place, um, and so as we're trying to answer the the question of what are the characteristics of a Christlike woman, we're not necessarily going to go in order because uh, because this truth up here at A is going to kind of be similar to the truth down here at F, and so we're gonna we've I've kind of made my own acrostic to help us remember these truths with the acrostic woman. So first, W, woman, wise. What is the Christ-like, Proverbs 31, woman, she is wise. A Christ-like woman is marked by wisdom, which begins with the fear of God. A Christ-like woman is wise, marked by wisdom, which begins with the fear of God. Proverbs one twenty and some other places early in Proverbs speak of wisdom And it is personified as a woman. You have lady wisdom, right? Wisdom is kind of made into a person, this woman, lady wisdom. And wisdom, the same language that is used early in Proverbs about lady wisdom, is used here in Proverbs 31 as the wise woman. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in verse 30 here, we see that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Well, what does it mean to fear the Lord? It doesn't mean that you're scared of God. It means that you know him and that you stand in awe of him, that you really know who he is and that you stand in awe of his majesty and of his might and his supreme power. It means that you take in all that you know about God and you worship him in supreme delight. So a woman who knows God, A woman who worships God and stands in awe of the majesty and beauty and wonder of God is a woman who will walk in wisdom, and it is a woman who should be praised. I want to show you one of the outworkings of the wisdom of the fear of the Lord that you should see in your own life. One struggle that many of us face, not just women face this, many of us face this, but many women face is worry. Worry or stress or anxiety about things coming up, about tomorrow about fear for the future. But I want you to notice what the fear of the Lord should produce in us in verse 25. Verse 25 says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She laughs at the time to come. She laughs at the future. She is not worried about tomorrow. She is not stressed or anxious about tomorrow. And why is that? Well, two reasons. Number one, she has done everything in her power, important part, in her power to prepare. She's made clothes for the next season. She's ready for the snow. She's gotten the food. She's ensured financial resources. She is prepared and everything that she can do for tomorrow, and she's not worried. She's done all she can do to be ready. But things happen that are out of our control. Things happen that we don't plan for. And there are things that that one can prepare for, and then uh, uh, they, they don't happen that way. And that's when the fear of God comes in. You see, when you fear God, when you fear the biggest thing in the universe, the greatest power, the mightiest thing, when you fear Him, there is nothing below Him left then to fear. When you know that God has you in His hand, When you know that the mightiest, majestic, beautiful, holy, good, great, wonderful God has you in his hands, and you really know that, you are not worried about what tomorrow might or might not bring because you know God has seen you through hardships and will see you through tomorrows as well. It's knowing the power of God and trusting his power to be able to be wielded for your good. And so you work to prepare for tomorrow with everything within your power, and then you trust and rest in God. And so there before, this woman who is wise laughs at the day to come. She's not worried. She's prepared, and she trusts God with the rest. This woman is wise. She is Christ-like. She knows that the Father pr- pr- provides food for the birds of the air, and so how much more will he provide for his children? She is wise, and that wisdom is displayed in her love and worship of Jesus. So let me for a moment speak to the single people in the room real quick. Boy or girl, man or woman, when you like someone and you want to ask them out on a date, the very first question you ask before you go out is, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? Are you a Christian? Do you go to church? If the answer is no... Or the answer is, I'm not sure. Or a half-hearted answer of, yeah, kind of, yeah. The possibility of the date has now gone out the window. This person has ceased to be an option for you. The idea of a missionary dating is not something that you should do. Thank you. Let's go. Come on. Oh, I'm done. I'm retired. See y'all. If if you think that, oh, I could date them and bring them to the church and share the gospel with them, it's a losing battle. Sometimes that works out, but that is, the Bible tells us don't be unequally yoked in the New Testament. That means don't marry someone who's not a Christian, and if you shouldn't marry one, you shouldn't date one. Parents, teach this to your children now. The number one thing they should be looking for in a spouse is love of Jesus, the number one quality. Do they love and fear God? If not... They can be your friend. They cannot be your boyfriend, girlfriend. So, number one, wise. Now, number two, oh, she should oversee her home. She oversees her home. Now, I do want to preface that the Bible is clear that husbands are the leaders of their homes. And husbands are particularly, they bear responsibility for the home. But wives are not called to take a back seat. They are called to lead as well. We see in Titus 2 and in 2 Timothy 5.14 that wives are to manage their household. So what does that mean and what does that look like? Well, verse 11 says, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. The heart of her husband trusts in her. One of the things that make this woman more precious than jewels is that her husband trusts in her. This is not just like, oh, I trust her not to cheat on me. This is much deeper and more intimate than that. This is him trusting his heart to her, his reputation to her, his life to her. He knows that she is working for his good and the family's good. That when he is gone, that she is laboring for the good of their family. He doesn't need to micromanage her. She has his full faith and confidence. And she makes him a better man. You know, I can say with the utmost confidence that I am a better man because of my wife. Like because she is so strong and confident that she knows, what it, she knows what is right and she accepts nothing less from me. And when I stumble, when I'm negligent, when I'm lazy, when I'm not the man that I should be, she with compassion and grace but with unflinching resolve lets me know and pushes me to be better. I am the man I am because of her. And I do not receive those rebukes from her those pushes as a rejection of me, and I don't get defensive because my heart trusts in her, that she's working for my good, that she follows me and helps me lead. Her trust helps me to trust in her and to lead well, and it creates a beautiful relationship that makes me a better man. How precious is a wife whose husband can trust in her Whose heart can trust in her. Verse 15. She rises while it is yet night... And provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So this woman we read, she wakes up early before everyone else and she is taking care of the household. She makes sure that everyone has what they need. She is repeating every task that has to get done. No matter how monotonous, how many times she has to do it. And she's doing it to care for her family. She's not lazy. She's not idle. She is a hard worker. Man, this is so true. Our wives, our moms care for us. They care for our kids in a way that dads are just oblivious to, right? Like, she is preparing and considering details and plans that dads do not even realize until the moment you're at the park. And the dad asks, so what are we doing for lunch? And mom pulls out a sack, like, I've made everyone's lunch. What are you talking about? And then there's a dirty diaper, you know, and he's like, hey, do we bring any diapers? She's like, of course, I've got this entire diaper bag with everything you could possibly need in it. Right? She is prepared. Being a mom is a full-time job. Even if you have a full-time job, being a mom means you have two full-time jobs. Because it is a job. It requires commitment, dedication, skills, energy, task management. And let me say that the work you, that women do in the home is an exceedingly valuable thing that we must not underestimate. Our moms by no means, were perfect. Our wives By no means are perfect, but they have the ability to care for and nurture our homes in a way that men and husbands and fathers cannot. And in a way that we are all better for having them in our lives. It is the reason, in verse 28 says, her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her all the diaper changes, all the laundry, all the dishes, all the home cooked meals, all the running kids at this event and that that event, all the homework labored over, all the boo-boos kissed, all the hugs and kisses and snuggles and sick nights and tender conversations are the reason we have a holiday or we just look at moms and say thank you, you are blessed, praise you mom. Moms are so often overlooked but are actually one of the most important people in the development and nurturing of our society. Without moms, without women like this in our lives, we would all live like billy goats. To quote True Grit. I remember there was this moment when Kate and I were getting married, we were engaged, and we were uh, doing our wedding registry shopping, right? And they they give you that gun, that little scanner gun, right? And they give us each one, and I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, I'm scanning all this stuff. I'm like, oh, these plates are cool. These forks are cool. You know, oh, let's get this back, you know, whatever. And she's like, give me the gun. (laughs) You know, she's like, you're done scanning stuff. I had this vision of this man cave that we were going to build together, right? Like, it was going to be awesome. All the TVs and all the video games and all the posters or whatever. I had to learn that. The man cave I wanted to turn to wasn't a home, but she had a vision to turn our house into a home, a vision I hadn't caught up to yet. That's what moms do. On every level, from decorating to nurturing to caring, they turn houses into homes, and we all should be, rise up and be grateful for them, for our wives, for our moms, because they turn houses into homes. Now, now let me be clear, husbands, fathers... You can do the laundry and the dishes and the clean all that stuff, too. All right? This ain't just her job. But she cares for the home in such a way that nurtures it and makes it a home. M, she is mighty in her work. She is mighty in her work. Now, the style of this poem is acrostic. The, uh, it was commonly used at that time. Uh, when you would have been praising a military uh, person, a military victory, a military hero, you would, you, they, this kind of style was often used. And I think the same idea is kind of being communicated here. This a good woman, the ideal woman, is a mighty hero that is meant to praise her strength and her might. Verse 17, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing. This woman has a sharp mind and is strong in body. We read that she is working with her hands. She's making clothes, preparing food, running a vineyard. And, and like let me just say, like, th- this is in the context of the day. Like, you don't have to make your own food. You can go to Kroger's. All right? Like, that's fine. You can even put an S on Kroger's, and I won't judge you too much. But I think the idea here is that she works hard with the ability God has given her. I think that's really important. Like, you're not less of a mom if you're not making your kid their own clothes, all right? She works hard with the abilities God has given her. We read she's not idle, she's not lazy. Every woman here has different talents, different abilities. Core value here is that you are taking your God-gifted abilities and you are leveraging them, using them for the good of your family and friends. I said it before and I'll say it again. We see this in action all the time, not just in our homes, but in our church, right? The women of this church are workers, man, are workers. Things get done when the women are involved. We are blessed by the strength and hard work and sharp minds of the women in our church. But I also want to just point out, to their credit, that women are strong. Like, women have a higher pain tolerance than men, Right? Y'all know what it means to be man sick, right? We got a little 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 stuffy nose, little belly ache. We are down for the count, useless, right? We want our mama to come over, get us some soup and tuck us in, put a, put a washcloth on our forehead. But when women get sick, they don't have time to be sick. They just keep going. I don't know how they do it. But they say, I'll be sick later tonight, and they push off the exhaustion, push off the sickness, and continue to do all the things that they know have to get done. Women birth babies pull all-nighters for the next two months. Every time one of our babies was born, I fell asleep on the couch because I was exhausted watching. One time, she, she... I don't know if crash is the right word, but, but her blood pressure tanked, uh, and I was awake for the first one, but then the, it did it again, and I slept, I mean, nurses are coming in, they're jabbing needles in her, you know, you know, doing all this crazy stuff, like she's crashing, I'm out, I'm out, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm sleeping. She has a baby and then pulls on lighters for the next two months. Women have the great capacity to have strength that it's totally different than just like physical strength. They have a deep-seated mom-woman strength. And it is one that aids, supports, and secures our families. Mom's strength is real. Woman's strength is real. And that strength gets leveraged in particular abilities that God has given her uniquely for the good of her husband, friends, family. You don't have to make your kids clothes or grow them their own food to be a good mom. You just have to use your strength hard work to leverage your God-given abilities for the good of those in your care. A, she is attractive in all the right ways. She is attractive in all the right ways. Now, this is the hardest one uh, to actually believe, right, because the world is screaming to us the opposite. The world is screaming to us how much... Physical appearance matters. And I don't want to lie to you to say that physical appearance doesn't matter at all. We know that's not true. The way you present yourself matters. Attraction is a real thing. It just doesn't matter as much as the world says it does. To the world, it's everything. To the world, beauty and how you look is everything. But the wisdom of God says different. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Charm is deceitful. Beauty, vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Of all the attributes listed here in the whole chapter, her physical appearance is really not mentioned at all. Because when you are looking for the ideal woman, everything that truly matters is much deeper than you could see at first glance. Do you know what creates long-lasting, fun, vibrant, deep, joyful marriages? I can tell you what it's not. It's not how she looks. You can marry the most beautiful woman in the world, but if she is shallow and vain and miserable to be around, if you can't trust her with your heart, if she's lazy and annoying, that relationship is going nowhere fast. Also, the way she looked at 18 isn't going to be the way that she looks at a higher number that I will not put a number to. Wisdom. But we all age... And we all don't look like we did when we were younger. I was looking up pictures of me recently, and I was a lot smaller. But the amazing thing is, and I think all of you would agree, that I think my wife is more beautiful today than she was when I met her when she was 19 years old. And I think when I'm 90, should the Lord tarry and allow me to live that long, I think I'll say the same thing. Because beauty grows so much deeper the more intimate you know and are with someone. The more you know them, the more beautiful they actually look on the outside. The more I get to know my wife and the deeper our relationship goes, the more beautiful her eyes become to me. So if beauty only matters uh, very little, then what sort of beauty actually matters? Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Man, she's kind. She's kind. Flowing from the fear of God and her wisdom, she opens her mouth, whether to a friend or her children or whoever she's talking to, kindness and wisdom flow out. If you're going to live with someone for the rest of your life, a huge character trait is kindness. You want to know what can make you a, make an attractive person look ugly quickly. You want to, so a beautiful person on the outside look really ugly on the outside quickly. Arrogance, meanness, and rudeness. It don't matter how good you look, you're going to start looking really ugly really quickly. But kindness can make you light up the room. Verse 21 and 22. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes her bed coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. If we're not careful here, we could take verse 30 to say the way she looks doesn't matter at all. But that's not true. Her clothing is not just practical, she's preparing for the snow, it is also beautiful. It is tasteful. The quality and beauty of her clothing is in view in verse 22. She's wearing purple, fine linen. The idea here is that her dress is tasteful and her demeanor is delightful. You're delightful to be around. And that your clothes are tasteful. Let me translate into 2023. She's wearing cute clothes. She's wearing tasteful, cute clothes. Now, Not when she's out in the vineyard or out when she's out working. She's not wearing purple clothes out there. She's not out there in her nice clothes. But there is an appropriate time and place that she takes care to dress in a way that is tasteful and cute. If you're, listen to this. If you're dressing in a way to catch the eye of men, then you can win their lust. But if you dress in a way that is beautiful and tasteful, you can catch their heart. You can catch the eyes of a man in the way you dress, but you can catch his heart in the way that you dress too. And those are different things. Also notice the last verse, verse 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Give her the fruit of her hands, like the the consequence, like what she's done of her labor, and and let her works praise her in the gates. Her works, what she has done, the fruit of her hands, the things she has produced are to her praise. What are people praising you for? Are they just praising you for your looks or is it the way that you live your life and the things that you have done and accomplished? The way you have cultivated your home, raised your children, nurtured your friendships and all of your life. See, women be known not for how you look, but for how you live. Be known not for how you look, for how you live. Let your works and your deeds praise you. Finally, in. She is a neighbor to the needy. She is a neighbor to the needy. In verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. This indeed is a Christ-like woman because in the midst of all the work she is doing, all the things she is caring for, She gets up early, she goes to bed late, she's working all day long, running her own business, all these things. In the midst of all of that, she carves out time to take care of those who are in need. She is indeed the Christ-like woman. She is not selfish, she is generous, and she serves sacrificially. She is not selfish, she is generous and serves sacrificially. She is like our Savior in this. That she gives to those and serves those who do not appreciate her or recognize her for the things she does for them. But she does them anyway. She gets up early. She works hard. She's kind. She's gentle. She's self-sacrificing. All to those who don't see it or appreciate it at least right away. And she does this because she loves them. And in doing this, she is like Jesus. Whether she, however she is serving, whether it be her friends, her husband, her kids, they don't know all the things she does for them, but she does them anyway because she serves in a self-sacrificing way. Not for the praise, but because the things have to be done, and she loves them for whom she serves. The one, she's like Jesus, the one who, because he loves us, gave the ultimate self-sacrificing gift, giving us his life to forgive us and make us beautiful the one who has been more generous and served us on the cross and continues to serve us today. Women, your value is not found in your beauty. It is not found in the latest fads that women are doing. It is found in Christ. And in your becoming more and more like him. Men, find you a wife that looks like Jesus so that you can both become more like Jesus together. Husbands, praise your wife today. Sing her praises today and tomorrow and the next day. And as often as you have opportunity. For she is God's blessing to you. Praise her for her hard work and praise her for how she makes your life better and richer. Sons and daughters, praise your mom today and every day as you have opportunity. Because she labors tirelessly. In ways you cannot even fathom. She does things for you you don't even know. And she does it because she loves you. An excellent wife who can find. She is more precious than jewels. And a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, men, let us praise the women in our life today our moms, our wives, our grandmothers. Those who have been like a spiritual mother to us and to the women who have served us and cared for us all along the way. They are precious, and we should thank God for them, for we are better for having them in our lives. They are a gift of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning praising and thanking you for the gift of our mom, of our wives, of our daughters of the women in our life who have cared for us and served us and loved us well. God, we are better for having them in our life. Father, would this sermon and this text not be a weight around their neck of an unachievable um, woman to be like, but instead let it be a calling and a tasks of something to reach forward and try to strive to be more like. Because in trying to be more like this, we're trying to be more like Christ. Father, would you help us as husbands and fathers and just men with women in our lives to love and serve and care for. And try to become more like Christ ourselves. And model that so that the women in our lives. But also have something else to look like to strive toward. God, we're thankful that you've made us better because of the women in our lives. We are thankful for the gift of them. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus, the one who has been self-sacrificial by giving his life to save us. You don't know him, I'd love to introduce you to him this morning as we sing. If you're here this morning, today's a hard day for you because your mom's not here anymore because you had a bad mom, because you haven't had the kids like you've wanted to and today's just hard, I'd love to have the chance to just pray with you and pray over you and, and care for you this morning today's a little harder. If you're here today and you're a husband, my challenge for you is to praise your wife. Sing her praises for how she has excelled at being the woman God has called her to be, that she fears God. And if you're a father, help your kids praise their mom, and to love their mom, and to honor their mom, to see how hard she works. God, help us to respond however we need to. We love you. In Christ's name we pray, all people said, let's stand together.